Hello and welcome to the Forge Church Catch-Up Podcast. We're delighted that you've chosen to press play on this podcast today. My name is Johnny and I'm part of the teaching team here at the Forge. Each Sunday, our hope and prayer is to provide practical teaching directed by God that ties into everyday life. We hope that today's talk encourages you. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come. Thine will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not in temptation. I remember stepping down off uh, a stage from a big conference room uh, in a place called Swanwick, and uh, there had been hundreds of people gathering uh, for three or four days. And um, I remember stepping off stage uh, with Sarah feeling so incredibly hope-filled. There'd been a number of people who had been praying for us, uh, praying specifically for Sarah because uh, she'd been diagnosed with bowel cancer and there were spots on her liver. And uh, uh, we'd had various people praying over us and uh, praying for the situation and sharing what they sensed God was saying. And and this overwhelming theme was that God was going to do something miraculous. Uh, And so when we went for scans, in a sense, we didn't mind what the scans would show because God was going to step in. That was December 1998. November 1999, we'd put the kids to bed, and um, uh, as in my sister and I, Judith, and we were sitting uh, in the room, and we were busy working on something together uh, and talking together when we suddenly both looked up and realized that Sarah's breathing had stopped and that she had died. And there were all of these prayers that people had been praying, that we had been praying, There were these words that we'd sensed God had said in those early stages. And then suddenly, it's as if they all disappear and vanish. What happens to those prayers? We are, as Helen says, doing this series called Pray. And we're looking at prayer from different perspectives. So week one, we we were thinking that prayer, actually prayer is so vital because prayer is all about a relationship. That's why when Jesus taught people to pray, he didn't just ask people to pray to God. He he was saying, pray, Father, Abba, Father. In other words, there's this wonderful, close God who longs for us to talk with him. And as I talked about in the first week of of this series, that prayer is like climbing into the lap of our Heavenly Father. Just as we love it, if we have small kids that they come and sit on our lap and they talk about their day. God loves it when we just come and spend time with him. Last week, Johnny was um, uh, thinking about uh, how to pray, uh, and he highlighted this, that how you pray is driven by what you pray, and it's also driven by who you pray to. It's how we view God will affect how we pray to him. And today, I think we want to deal with one of the hardest things about prayer, 
And it's, it's this, what do we do with unanswered prayers and when God is silent? Now, throughout this series, we are um, just mentioning different books which help to deal with um, the topics. Um, today's book, uh, which I really want to highly recommend to you, uh, is a book by Pete Gregg, and it's called God on Mute. It's about when God, when we can't hear God speaking within the situation. And he writes this in his introduction of the book. He says, you're probably reading this because, like me, some of your prayers simply aren't working, and you want to know why. That, that maybe God seems a million miles away. Maybe miracles happen to everyone else, but never to you. And maybe you need a word from heaven, but God is on mute, and the remote is lost down the back of some cosmic sofa. Pete Gregg is the founder of what's known as the 24-7 prayer movement. And uh, I mentioned about his first book, Red Moon Rising, uh, during our first week of this series. And can I just say, if you've missed this series um, uh, in any of the talks, you can catch up online on our website um, if you want to. And in his book, he writes about these extraordinary answers to prayer that he sees happening and how this prayer movement grew and grew and grew all around the world. And as people went into these prayer rooms, many of them didn't even have a faith in God, but people would wander in, and as they spent time going around these creative spaces, and as they started talking, uh, they, they began a journey of faith in Jesus, and it was the most extraordinary thing, and time and time again, Pete Gregg saw these amazing answers to prayer. What, what was going on at the same time, he explains in here. Because while he was seeing extraordinary answers to prayer, at the same time, his wife, Sammy, who was aged 29, was having seizures. And she had to be rushed into hospital. And when they did MRI scans, they discovered that um, she had a brain tumor the size of an orange. And they prayed for healing, and they cried out to God to do a miracle in that situation. And as the doctors were discussing and um, trying to work out what they could do, they realized that they would be able to operate, that it was safe to be able to cut into her skull and to remove this uh, brain tumor. Uh, and so they were able to do that with immense skill. And so she began to recover, and it wasn't long before she was able to start to get movement back again and starting to get um, speech too. And just as they were beginning to relax just as they were going to be heading off on holiday together, another seizure hit her. And what happens next, as he explains all of this in this book, he writes these words. He says, because he speaks about, it's every two or three days these terrifying seizures happen. He says this, I tell all of this to you because for me, it has been the relentless battle with Sammy's epilepsy during the past six months rather than the initial diagnosis of her tumor that has provoked me to address the painful reality of unanswered prayer. Why doesn't God heal her? Is the problem my unbelief? Is it a matter of spiritual warfare? Is it just the result of simply of the fall? Why doesn't Jesus do what he did 2,000 years ago? Is his will for Sammy to suffer? Why would he want such a thing? And in reading, honestly, he is so 
open and so honest about the experience that he is going through as he expresses these huge, huge questions. Questions that some of you here this morning or watching online are facing right now. Come on, God, I've been praying into this and nothing is happening. Where are you? Is it me? Is it you? What is it? So this, this week could be um, a tough week for you. But what I don't want to shy away from this because it is part of our experience in life. So it could be said that our, the talk today is an awful PR job for the Christian faith. It could be. Um, you know, because it's being honest about the difficulties. It's a little bit like Apple if they were to produce the iPhone 25 and in their launch program said, it's amazing, it just doesn't always do what you hope it to do. And so sometimes you'll make a phone call and it goes to email. Sometimes the volume will just drop out and you'll think, why on earth would we want to buy that? Well, (laughs) maybe you're considering faith or maybe you have considered faith and you've journeyed with God for a while. And you've heard other people tell you how amazing God is when everything is rosy. And then then sometimes God doesn't work as we want him to. And this might put you off if you think that following Jesus means that you will see all of your prayers answered in the way that you want them to. Can I just say now, that's not how it works. So as we travel through this topic briefly today, I want you to bear in mind two really important things. Now, these haven't come from me. These have come from very intelligent and clever people. And this is what, number one, that you have to consider when it comes to prayer, that we mustn't misunderstand God's silence for God's absence. Because God says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. He says that even though Or David could say, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. What we long for is for God to airlift us out of our difficulties, out of that illness, um, out of that difficult relationship, out of that hard financial situation. God, just answer the prayer. Lift me out of that and make life better again. And yet what so often happens is that God does the opposite, that God parachutes in to where we're experiencing our pain and our disappointment and when we are calling on God to do something amazing. That's been my experience, that often God doesn't remove us from the situation, but he joins us. He, he, he comes alongside us to give us the strength to cope as we go through it. The second one is this, which I think um, is brilliant. To trust God in the light is nothing, Charles Spurgeon. Charles Spurgeon was a um, uh, a Baptist preacher. Uh, To trust God in the light is nothing, but to trust him in the dark, that is faith. You see, it's a lot easier to sing songs about God being for us and to tell others how amazing he is when everything is rosy. But there are times when God doesn't seem to be doing what we want. So we pray for healing and nothing happens. We pray for guidance. Come on, God, show me what my next step should be. And he stays silent. We pray for God to rescue us in a relationship situation and nothing seems to happen. And we have to learn to live with this sense of mystery. 
Because this is what trust is all about. So easy to trust God when everything's going well. Because are we trusting God or are we trusting things going well? It's when life becomes hard. It's when, when we face those times where God doesn't seem to be working. Oh, boy, that's what God is calling us to do. There's anything, if there's just two words to remember from today, it will be God whispering to you in your situation, trust me, trust me. When God is on mute or not acting as we would like him to, honestly, I believe that there are three ways that we can respond that can give us the help that we need to deal with this mystery. And none of these ways are easy. They just aren't. So the first one is this. It's that word there, wait. We hate waiting, don't we? That's why we love Amazon Prime. Honestly, 24 hours, whatever it is, it's going to be delivered to your door. You haven't got to wait three days, four days. Amazon Prime is the answer to most of our shopping problems, really. It's why McDonald's chose to have a drive through because it meant that you don't have to wait as long. In fact, it's 208.16 seconds uh, is the average time that people have. What, what the 1.6 second? I don't know. Um, uh, but uh, anyway... Uh, three minutes, 28 seconds uh, from when you first put your order in in order to receive your food. Tesco's, uh, if uh, anyone's shopping yesterday, especially to Morrison's, oh my life, Morrison's in this yesterday was unbelievable. 30 minutes of queues. People were in a very happy mood, they were. But you know what it's like, don't you, when you go to Tesco's, that you scan the checkouts to see which is the shortest queue. But actually, the shortest queue is not necessarily the answer because it's how big the trolleys are full of food as well, which is in front of you. And also, often, how slow will they be at unpacking and packing and then paying? And are they those annoying, talkative people that just stop and carry on talking to them? There are so many judgments that you have to make when you go to Tesco's because we hate waiting. You send a WhatsApp message and you see two ticks on the WhatsApp message, you know that they've got it and you wait for the answer and it doesn't come straight away and you just think, how rude, how rude. Why? Because we hate waiting. Learning to wait on God is such an important part of growing and deepening our faith. It develops our patience and it means that we learn to trust God in the waiting. If you've been around the last two weeks or if you've seen on social media, we've, we've um, posted two videos, uh, one of Nettie and the other one of uh, Kim, who have both gone through quite difficult times. And listening to both of them, they talk about this waiting period as being a time when they have grown in faith, when, when their closeness to God has become so much more evident to them. As they waited, it becomes more about a relationship than about the big ask. Prayer is primarily about relationship. It is. It's primarily about a relationship with a God who loves us. It's jumping into the lap of our Heavenly Father. And that's why David would write these words in one of the Psalms. He said this in Psalm 37, verse 7. Be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently for him to act. Be still. There's this sense of calm, this sense of resting and waiting 
patiently for him to act. And sometimes what we don't, we just never get to see the whole picture. Sometimes God is working in the background or behind the scenes that we just can't see. So we assume that God is doing nothing. And then at just the right time, he answers. And maybe God, with regards to the prayers that you have been praying, God hasn't answered. And it's just that big word, yet. Because God is doing something, we just don't see it. And so he says, wait, wait patiently, wait patiently for me to act. So let me ask you, how long have you been praying about a situation? How long have you been waiting for God to do something? Maybe today God is nudging you to keep going, to keep praying and to keep waiting and to keep trusting and to keep drawing close to him because the answer to your prayer might only be one more prayer away. So he wants to say to you, don't give up. I haven't answered yet, but don't give up. That's number one response. Number two response is this strange word called lament. Lament means a passionate expression of grief or sorrow or a complaint. And maybe for you, just as in my experience, you've waited and you've hoped and you've prayed and now it just seems too late because the job offer is gone. The person has died. The relationship's broken. And maybe you've waited and waited and you've almost, well, you've just lost heart. Then for some of us, This is a key part in the process of how we deal when God is quiet and when God doesn't seem to be answering our prayers. It's time to lament. It's time to grieve. It's time to pour out our frustrations and our anger to God. And there is this playlist in the Bible. It's called the Psalms, and there are so many songs, and the majority of the songs are linked around this. Come on, God. What are you doing? Why aren't you answering my prayer? Why do my enemies seem to be overcoming? In fact, one of them just says this, Psalm 77. He's questioning, he's lamenting, and he says, has he stopped loving us? Because he's been praying about something so big and God's not doing anything. Has he stopped loving us? Does his promise no longer stand? Has God forgotten to be merciful? His anger taken the place of his compassion? He is just spilling out his frustration to God. And lamenting plays such an important part. Some of us have to learn how to do this. It's how we cope and how we cover the disappointment when God is not responding in the way that we want to. And in a sense, lamenting is trusting that God is real and that he can do something with the pain that we're feeling. And it feels wrong. Because if you're talking to God, you ought to be polite, don't you? Because God's big. So so we ought to be polite. And there is anything but politeness when you come to the songs that you read in the center of our Bibles, in the Psalms. And do you know what? God is big enough to cope with our ranting and our anger and our frustration. In a sense, he wants to hear it because that's the honest feedback that we can give to God. And we can offload to him. What I find amazing is that Jesus did this. He lamented. When he was there on the cross, he calls out to God and he says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? 
If you ever want to legitimize the need to have explanation, that's what Jesus is asking for. Come on, God. Why? Why have you left me alone? And he also demonstrates that it might not come, the answer might not come at the time that we think we need it most because God stayed quiet. So I don't know, maybe for some of you, as you've prayed and prayed into such big situations and you haven't seen an answer to it, it's time for you to do this, to lament. You can do it out loud. You can do it writing down. You could do it with someone else just to say, look, can you, can you help me to express this? However you choose to do it, trust that God will hear your prayer, even if you can't hear him straight away. So have your rant. Have your lament. And then what the psalmists do every time is that they then reaffirm their faith in him, because they say, where else can I turn, God? In the psalm that we've just got um, there, goes on to say, I will think about all that you've done. I will meditate on your mighty acts. In other words, we can vent our frustration, but we don't give up on God. To wait. To wait requires patience. To lament requires honesty, true honesty. And this last one, This third response is probably the hardest of all. It's to relinquish. To relinquish means to let go of what I want. And it means to ultimately leave our requests with God and to say, God, I trust you however you choose to work. I leave it in your hands. Do you know what? If we want to live a life of faith, if, that, if that's what we want, to live a life of faith, believing and trusting God, at some point in our lives, we have to get to this point. We have to get to the point of relinquishing. When Jesus, in the Garden of Gethsemane, we're going to be looking at this in a few weeks' time, he knew everything that was laid ahead of him. And he prayed that he wouldn't have to go through it. He says, would you take this away from me? Just like we do. God, don't let me face that. God, don't. And then Jesus prays this incredible prayer. He says, but not my will, but your will be done. That's relinquishing. God, you know what I want. I am desperate for this. But God, it's not about me. It's about you. So whatever you want. So often our faith can become intrinsically linked with what God will do for us. You know, if we follow him, he must do this for me. Um, Pete Gregg, in his book, God on Mute, he writes about a guy who he's named as Kevin. That's not his real name. Uh, And uh, Kevin has a dad who, was, um, who had lung cancer. And Kevin ended up going to church. One of his friends had become a Christian and he came to church uh, and over a period of time, he too became a Christian. And he prayed and the church prayed for Kevin's dad. And Kevin had a sister who didn't believe, hadn't got any faith at all. And she was driving one time in her car and she said that she heard this audible voice saying that something miraculous was going to happen and that dad would be healed. And so she came back and told Kevin, Kevin told the church, the church were so excited that that, um, uh, this kind of audible voice had been heard and it was like confirmation that God was going to do something. And they prayed and prayed and slowly dad got worse and worse. 
And so eventually, um, uh, Pete Gregg spent a little bit of time with Kevin and asked the question, what if? What if your dad dies? And he says, oh, I know that um, uh, God doesn't answer um, uh, every prayer that we pray. And then dad died. And within weeks, so did Kevin's faith. Because you see, Kevin had the faith in the possibility of God healing his father. But his faith was shackled to that possibility. So when his father died, so his faith died as well. And in prayer, he was simply not prepared to take no for an answer. Listen, to relinquish what I want is so painful. And it's why it takes such huge courage and great faith. It's this, don't. Build your faith on answered prayer. Answered prayer is so exciting. When we see God at work, it is so good. And we love to share those stories. But don't build your faith on answered prayer. Build it on Jesus. Because as Helen prayed earlier, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And it's Jesus that we can trust in, not answered prayer. And Peter Gregg, one more time, just in his book, he he says this. I think this is so powerful. The power to choose God's will instead of one's own personal preferences is, according to Scripture, the defining human opportunity. There were two gardens. There was the Garden of Eden, where Adam and Eve said, not your will, God, but ours be done. And it led to disaster. And then there was another garden. It was called the Garden of Gethsemane, where Jesus said, not my will, but yours be done. And it gave hope to every single one of us. The power to choose God's will. Oh, it's hard, but it's relinquishing and saying, God, I hand it over to you. To trust God when he's silent, when he doesn't answer the prayer in the way that we want. What does that look like in life? Well, I want you to watch one person's story, Fiona, who I think sums it up brilliantly. It was in... June 2017 that we, um, we we heard from the consultant up in Addenbrookes that um, potentially things weren't looking good. So my name's Fiona and I work for St Elizabeth Hospice as a fundraiser. So I am Suffolk born and bred. I was um, yeah brought up here locally and yeah, very much my country roots. Yes, I went to university and I did a very creative degree. I joined the Christian Union, which was fantastic and it opened my eyes to a whole new world. I don't think I probably appreciated how much at that time um, stepping into being a Christian and and following Jesus would be. After university, I met Mike and um, we started going out and within a very short time of us um, being together, my dad was diagnosed with a terminal brain tumour and um, within five months of us um, being together, my dad 
um, yeah, he, he died, and that was really, really tough time for me. Yeah, that was that was the first real point of my life where I, I knew that I had to to cling to God and to know that whatever happened, whatever going forward, that He would always be there and he's he's always around me and he was my the heavenly father and and that's where prayer really really started for me and then mike and i got married and um yeah everything was 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 ticking along we looked into obviously think about having children yeah after a few years of wanting to have children unfortunately um things didn't seem to be going quite according to what we were hoping for so we looked into having ivf um and we had a lot of friends praying for us, couples that would just be beside us and go through that whole journey, which was, it was really, it was really tough. We then went through our first cycle of IVF and in our minds, we were thinking this would be successful. And when it wasn't successful, um, again, it was, it was a huge rock for us both. Then yeah, miraculously, it was, a, it was a real blessing and it was a complete miracle was that I, I did fall pregnant. Um, and yeah, in May, 2016, um, our daughter Hope was born. It was amazing that that our, our miracle was here. But yeah, within that time, um, just a couple of months before, um, so when I was heavily pregnant, um, Mike found a lump on the back of his neck. And um, 10 weeks after Hope was born, um, Mike was diagnosed with um, leukemia. Um, and he was given only a 20% chance of survival after five years. We just had to call out to God. That's all we could do. We could just call out to him and just say, within this, God, you will be the center, you will have a purpose and you will give us peace. And that was our prayer. That was our prayer for healing as well. But um, but we just wanted God to be the one that was in the center of it all. And, um, and we knew that he was. Our world was completely rocked. Um, and you suddenly go from being a family that's obviously had a newborn and it was getting used to life, um, adjusting to that as parents, to then, um, yes, yeah, suddenly have this diagnosis. We had a number of people that were gathering for prayer, um, specifically to pray for us as a um, as a family, and that was, yeah, it was just, just really great to have that support. We, we heard from the consultant up in Addenbrooks that um, potentially things weren't looking good. And, um, yeah, and that Mike had had relapsed. We had to have a meeting with his um, consultant in Ipswich and we just prayed that in that meeting we we expected that it wasn't going to be um, good news but we just prayed that God would be um, surrounding us and we would just feel this real sense of peace for the future whatever that was going to bring and um, at that meeting in the early July um, they told us that Mike wasn't going to survive much more than a few more weeks and on the day of passing um when when Mike went to um went to heaven to be in glory with um, Jesus I just had this real sense of peace that he was um yeah he was restful and um I continued to pray that day um that he um again this was all for God's glory um and that it was going to be used for really positive things for the future and um it just to be able to witness to so many others um, whatever situation they were going through that um, I could walk alongside with people as well and I just think that's really important um, so after after he died um, yeah I just continued to do that I mean there were prayers that weren't answered and um, like Mike not being healed physically but there were so many aspects that he he was healed with and I strongly believe that 
that God um, has got me and he's got hope and yeah he's, he's holding us, us closely and and I just see that it's just an opportunity really it's an opportunity to to keep praying and if it's not now then it, it's it's a wait we, we, we don't know what the future holds but we know that God does and um, yeah that's 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 the focus really people want to talk to me about it and that's that's brilliant really because it just opens up an avenue for so many others that are struggling with whatever they may be struggling and and it gives me a, a way to be able to pray for them as well and yeah it's just it's just amazing really and and to know that God's been the anchor he's been um whatever pain there's been he's just always stood beside me and I've always sensed that I've sensed him being with me in hope all along the way and he will be for the future as well and that's my continued prayer that's all for this week thanks once again for joining us We'd love to keep the conversation going, so why not check out Forge Church UK on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram? Or go online at forgechurch.com where you can watch other content, find a next step, give financially, or see any details of what's currently going on in and around the Forge. We're looking forward to you joining us next time.